Blog Talk Radio. It's Music Friday Live, and it's Friday the 13th, but we're only going to have good luck today because we have two very talented women with fascinating stories to tell and new music, really great new music. And they're both with us today. Christina Questelobe and Shannon Roberts of Kusi Collier are going to join us. So rub your good luck charms and listen. Here we go. Los Angeles, California. It's the music capital of the world, of course, and it's Music Friday Live. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. Our guests are here to talk with you, so you can call in 347-215-7511, or of course, you can always email us if you're sitting there at work with your headphones on. You can email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And as I said, I'm Patrick O'Heffernan. I'm your host here at Music Friday Live, and I want to welcome our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network broadcasting out of Boston and my... Uh, my guy there, uh, Jason. Hi, Jason. And their radio affiliates. And if you have questions or comments, remember, you can always email them in. If you are listening to Music Friday Live on a podcast or later tonight on one of the stations on the East Coast or tomorrow in the UK, you know, it's tomorrow in London. Well, you know what I mean. It's tomorrow there. Uh, you can still email your questions in for our guests and we will forward them on so they can reply directly to you. Speaking of guests... Christina Questelobe comes from a family of musicians, the world-renowned jazz guitarist Chuck Loeb and the Spanish singer-songwriter actress Carmen Cuesta. So naturally, she took up music while she grew up in both Spain and the United States. What else would you do? But she studied classical music, the flute, the bassoon, orchestras, and it never quite became her voice. So in 2015, she did what so many artists do. She moved to Los Angeles. And like so many artists, she found her home here, developing her unique haunting melodies with everything from acoustic ukuleles to shoegaze heavy guitars and performing live with her sister Lizzie. And we are very proud to have her with us today. Christina, welcome to Music Friday Live. Thank you so much, Patrick. I'm so happy to be on air with you. (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you, too. Uh, like, like I said in the introduction, um, you come from a musical family. In fact, your stage name is a combination of your parents' names. Did your parents steer you and your sister into music, or was just sort of a natural thing that was expected of everybody in your family? You know what? Um, they did the opposite. They were they didn't impose on us at all. Um, obviously, music was a huge part of our our lives growing up. There were always musicians in the house. We were going to shows, and we always played as a family. But it was never pushed on us, and um, it wasn't until recently that I actually really started fighting for, for making music a huge part of my life. So wow. it was always a huge part of our life, but they didn't push it at all. <laughs> they knew better, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so you, weren't, you didn't grow up spending nights in jazz clubs with your, with your mom and dad? You know, I did. I, I did go to a lot of shows, especially on the weekends, whenever my dad was on in town. Um, he traveled a lot, so 
when he had local shows, we were definitely there. <laughs> well, in, in that case, then, why did you take up classical music rather than follow the family jazz tradition? You know, it's so interesting. Um, in school, in um, elementary school, middle and high school, I played so much music. I was in every single possible group, and most of those were classical. So I did band, I did orchestra, I um, started with the flute, and it's it's funny. I think my dad almost didn't push the guitar on us because he didn't want to impose. So I didn't even see it as an option. We started with piano and flute and and that was what was available to us. Um, okay. Looking back, I, I wish I had really pushed to play guitar from a very early age. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and you also learned to play the bassoon too, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. There okay. was um, uh, the band director was looking for a bassoon player and um, he asked me and I was like, sure. I took a bassoon home and, and started playing and it was so fun that, that I just start, picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> I did that in uh, in middle school. Oh, well, the bassoon, you know, sh- shows up in in jazz uh, sometimes. I think Chick Corea had a bassoonist in in his uh, in his band. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I well, I, wonder... I even recorded. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, you're... I even recorded some jazz uh, bassoon on um, on some of my dad's tracks. <laughs> <laughs> some, some family tracks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, well, we should. We I, if I'd known that, I would have asked you for them so we could play them on the air. But uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that brings up a question though: How much of the classical Christina Questalobe remains in the pop Questalobe? Very little. Um, I think when I started writing, all my stuff included piano, and it was very. Um, there was a. a there were a lot of classical elements. Some of my songs that I haven't released still have them, but once I started kind of gearing towards what I wanted to hear in my music, it kind of disappeared a little bit, but I still like putting little elements of of classical piano or flute. I have some flute in some of my songs like Charlotte Hill that Mm -hmm. I also play live, which is really fun. We call it flute gaze. Um, (laughs) We, I think I kind of like steered away from classical, but when I sit down at the piano and I start writing, I always start with some kind of classical element and then it kind of morphs into a shoegaze kind of heavier song. Good. Well, it, it, it obviously works, but, uh, um, <laughs> with, with or without the classical influences, the, the dream pop, uh, Cuesta Lobe, uh, creates wonderful music. And I, I want to let our fans listen to some of it. So this is a very interesting song called dive.
Well, first of all, let me say I, I really love the video uh, for, for that song. The, the way you and your team created just a perfect 1950s, 60s home movie and put together archival footage and current, current video, which I assume you, you shot currently, uh, but in the same style. The technique was flawless. Exactly. The, the effect was perfect for the song, and you looked like you were having a great time in that video, were you? Thank you so much. It was so fun to shoot. It was amazing. We got this underwater camera, and just it was great. It was so fun. It happened so naturally, too. When we started with the idea, um, it, we just love the idea of having slowed down diving, and mm. and then we wanted to incorporate um, – some playing and some of me as well. And then um, we found this amazing effect to kind of put it in the same, same, um, same time. And it was just mm-hmm. so fun to shoot. I love it. It's my favorite video we, we've done so far. Well, let me ask you about some of the lyrics though. Um, for you, I'll run, I'll jump, I'll leap, I'll fly, I'll go blind. Um, is the mm-hmm. message there that love is blind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, definitely a love song. Um, I wrote it because for so long or so I feel like so many people are scared when they're first in a relationship and they worry about doing the the right thing. Like I always am worried about saying or doing the right thing. And then um, it's kind of this love of just leaping and, and being vulnerable and just not being scared and, and not, projecting or worrying about anything so yeah it's it's really a love song like like jumping <laughs> off the diving board exactly <laughs> well, well you moved to to la in uh 2015 and i'm always curious about why artists move to my hometown so what were you looking for here um to be honest i grew up and um lived in new york basically my whole life and and in Spain and the weather was the number one driver for me. I am this is my kind of weather and and climate. It reminds me so much of Spain which I absolutely love and and my sister had moved out here a couple of years ago so you know I'm very very close with her and um I I just love it. I love it so much. I don't miss anything about New York. Like I obviously really love New York and if it was warm I would love it too but LA has been unbelievable I'm, I'm glad you put in the last couple of lines otherwise we get all these angry emails from our <laughs> I know I love New York but it's just too cold they it's it was I was just there last weekend and it was in the 30s in April <laughs> I, I love the sun I love being outside I love nature so I'm I'm really really happy here well, you and about ten million other people. Um, did, did you learn? The, did you learn the guitar here? Um, I've always played a little bit of guitar, but when I started producing, um, I definitely had to to practice and learn a lot more and, and playing live. So um, I've learned the most guitar in the last three to four years. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I noticed that uh, you also use ukuleles. Uh, did you discover mm-hmm. the, the the beauty of ukuleles here in LA? Because yeah, it's getting to be so popular now. Um. You know, I forget what happened. I think my mom bought me a ukulele, um, like maybe seven or eight years ago, and that's actually what started me writing in this style and and more of 
of my style of music was the ukulele, interesting enough. Um, I just loved it. It was so happy. But to play sad songs on the ukulele was my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I started the ukulele okay. back in New York. You should, if you have a chance, you should uh, listen to some of Irene Diaz and the way she uses ukuleles for very deep emotional love songs. It's, uh, it's, I it's love very, that. It's a very interesting uh, uh, instrument. And since we're talking about it, why don't we play a little bit of it? I want to play My King. sounded like it was kind of a tricky song to record because there's lots of layers in there. Was that easy or did you have to go through lots of different takes? It was funny because I brought that song to the producer that I'm working with, Blake Strauss, who is amazing and Mm -hmm. such a huge part of this project. And I brought it as a ukulele track with acoustic guitars and, um, and kind of told him that I wanted it to be soft and then really heavy. And he came in with, um, he's an incredible guitar player too. And he came in with these guitars and it just felt so good. And so, yeah, it was definitely a lot of layering, a lot of going back and forth. And it was a really fun track to do. And there's some ukulele in there too, isn't there? Yep. 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 Yeah, we kept and the ukulele, said... kept, Go ahead. kept some guitars. Go ahead. Uh, and you said uh, offline that that you've actually recorded ukulele tracks for your father with your father's band. Yeah, one of my favorite songs um, that I did with my dad was I was playing ukulele. It's an instrumental. My dad plays acoustic uh, guitar, and it's on his album. Un, um, what it, I think it's Silhouette, the last track on his on Chuck Loeb's Silhouette album, and I love it. It's called Las Vegas, and um, mm-hmm. it's just a duet. And it is about this place in Spain that uh, where my family's from. That's just, I love it. <laughs> Do um, um, we, we, we're starting to get some emails here, uh, and I'm going to get to them in a minute. Uh, sure. And just let me remind our audience that we are talking with Christina Cuesta Loeb, and you can talk with her too. You can call in three four seven two one five seventy five eleven. I probably don't have to give the email address because some of you already are emailing, but it's uh, musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. And uh, uh, get right to the emails after I ask you a little bit about the lyrics in that song. Um, I will fall to my knees. I will serve your regime while your slumber live a dream. Somehow I don't get the impression that you're a submissive woman. So what's going on? <laughs> what's the story there? The the beginning of the these lyrics started in um, 
the story of Rip Van Winkle. So um, we were talking about this story about this guy that goes to the mountains and sleeps and misses his entire life. And I kind of like took a, a tangent off that about these people that kind of go through the routine and are sleeping. But um, it's about this woman that is kind of dealing with somebody that's like that and is kind of like, go ahead, do your thing, be in your head. I'll be there for you no matter what. So it's kind of a love story as well. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go to some of the emails here. Um, Maya in Seattle wants to know: Do you ever write or sing in Spanish? I do. I um, I have two songs in Spanish, and um, I haven't released any yet. But hopefully, we'll get one of those on the album, on the full Good. length. As you know, yeah. there's a huge, a huge. First of all, there's a huge Latino fusion music community in in uh, Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. it's also a big market for it. In fact, we call it ALM, American Latino Music. Um, Laverall in Hollywood wants to know, do, well, you already answered this, actually. Do, do you use the flute in your music? And, of course, you do, don't you, sometimes? I do. I love bringing some flute into the shoegaze. And um, I think one of the tracks we're going to listen to has um, uh, flute elements and um that also I owe to, to Blake, the producer that I'm working with. He always sees like a flute lying around in our apartment and he's like, I want to use this. And, and, you know, <laughs> I love it. I love the texture. It adds to the song Charlotte Hill. So try to use okay. it and incorporate it as much as possible. Uh, Legaro in Austin wants to know how far along were you in your classical career when you decided it wasn't for you? I think I was, in college and I was, um, you know, uh, in the orchestra and, and taking lessons and moving forward with classical music. And I, it was such a difference as to what I was listening to and what I loved and like what I found myself going out to shows for. So I think it was probably the end of college when I was, I knew it wasn't for me. Okay. All right. Um, now you're working on an album. Uh, can you tell mm-hmm. us um, uh, whereabouts in the production you are and when we might see it? Yeah, um, we are releasing our debut album this summer that I'm so excited about. Um, Blake and I have been working on it for a while. In the beginning, we kind of did the single thing where we would put out singles as we go. And we were mm-hmm. thinking of doing an EP, but then we decided we have this whole project that I'm so incredibly proud and excited for um so it's going to be out this summer where everything's written almost done and um actually Blake's on tour so when he gets back we're going to finish it up and and finish the production and put it out this summer I'm so excited for it (laughs) Uh, are are any of the songs that we're playing today are they going to be on the album yeah these songs are going to be on it it's going to be 11 songs and um these four will be included, and then uh, the last one will be an instrumental that is really, really special, um, dedicated to my dad, okay. who um, passed away last well, year. So it's a, it's a really special project for us, yeah. Well, let's play one of those songs. Um, I think this is the one that has the flute in it. Let, let's play a little of Charlotte Hill. Thank you. 
know, the, uh, the, that's an addictive song, just musically, but you also have put together um, a stunning video for that. Where did you shoot that video? We actually did that in the Salton Sea, um, about thought, two and a so. half hours yeah. yeah, from L.A. I had never been there, and my gosh, what a magical place. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working with a cinematographer and director, uh, Stephen Soria, he heard the song and he was so into it and he just had a vision. He, he wanted to go to the Salton Sea and it was a, an amazing night. We made a bonfire. It was incredible. <laughs> I haven't been there for a while, but I looked at it and I said, I think that's where, where that is. Uh, um, yeah. Now, what does Charlotte Hill refer to? Is, is that a place from your childhood, sort of like the, the cover of the song suggests? Yes. It is. It's kind of like this alter ego almost. It's like, um, it's like a safe space for me for, for some reason. It's, um, it is like in childhood. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, in the song that you've got a, um, a couple of lines, I'm just a girl in a big world, feel on the ground, feet on the ground, head in the clouds. And then in another one of your songs, uh, grass it grows you sing i'm traveling at the speed of me do those two lines kind of describe where you are now in life absolutely i think um i i think there are certain elements that kind of tie this whole record together and you touched on two of those like definitely just free truly i love the image of grass growing and with no pressure you can't make it grow faster you know like everything has to happen naturally and not force anything. Um, so that's definitely a theme for this album. Well, why don't we play a little bit of that song, Grass It Grows, and then come back and kind Perfect. of take a look at the, the way you put uh, lyrics uh, together and, and, and handle them vocally. So here's Grass It Grows. talked about uh, the, the two lines I mentioned earlier about where you are now in life and career. And I think another place where you are that really shows in Grass It Grows is you're in very tight control of your voice and also of your oh, writing. Um, Thank everything, you so much. And you, you're welcome. It's, you know, it's <laughs> like Henry Kissinger used to say, it has the added advantage of being true. Um, you're very precise. And yet, 
when I look at your lyrics, they're very precise, and yet when you sing them, and I've never heard anybody do this, you elide the lines and the thoughts. You, you merge lines from verse to verse and sometimes from verse to chorus in, in, in a really unique way. Has that, has that always been the way music has been in your head? I think so, yeah. Um, thank you so much, first of all. Um, uh, yeah, I think I try to stay away from any type of form when I'm writing and then kind of bring it back to kind of make sense. So, yeah, many times verses kind of blend into the choruses and and I try to just do it kind of naturally. It, well, it, it's hard it to, works very nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I was thank you so of, much. Of, of a verse out of Charlotte Hill, um, make a rhyme and in time, reach the crowd, find a voice, make it loud. That's very rhythmic writing. It's also a very interesting thought, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, raises the question of <laughs> have you found that voice and, and, and do you make it loud now? I think so. I, I feel so um, grateful to have, um, you know, met the people that I've met kind of found this space where I feel safe releasing my music and so happy to do it. I, I'm very, very happy. And, and I just want to release so much music. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously you're working on it. Now you mentioned yeah. earlier in, in the conversation here that uh, you've done some producing. Mm-hmm. And does that, do you, do you actually go into the studio and produce for other people? Um, I have several different projects that I work on and, um, I love producing. I, I, something I practice every week and, um, yeah, I am part of a different project that I produce for called Hides and, um, kind of try to do it as much as possible practicing or for other people. Is, Is the fact that you're a producer make it harder or easier to work with another producer for your own music? Um, for me, I feel so incredibly blessed. Speaks my language and music. Like every time we get together, it's it's. I feel elated and so inspired. So, for me, it's easy working with him. I don't know about um, with other people, but it's been incredible. I feel very lucky. All right. Well, we still got some some questions here, so uh, I'm going to move on to the questions. Uh, we just got one from. Uh, uh, Michael, um, Michael didn't tell us, uh, he's from, but, uh, he wants to know if you have any, uh, advice for new musicians. Um, I would say don't overthink it and just, um, like follow what you think you love. And then also in the beginning, I wanted to put out lots of music and very quickly and, and I was very well advised to take my time and, and um, I would recommend that too. just be thoughtful about how you put music out into the world and yeah, just enjoy it. Cause okay. as soon as well, you put something is, out, Michael. yeah. <laughs> take your time. Now we have about 15 people who've emailed in asking the same question. So I'm just going to pick one. And this is from Remy in Tampa and Remy. And we only have a minute left here. Remy wants to know, who is your favorite shoegaze band? Oh man, my bloody Valentine. Definitely <laughs> my favorite. I can listen to that Loveless album on repeat. Um, I love them. And right. um, 
but I would have to say my favorite band ever is Green Day. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, at that, since we're now out of time, uh, I'd love to hear more about what's in your musical head, but we, we're going to have to wait for your album to come out this summer and um, yep. uh, your next performance, which, which uh, reminds me to ask, do you have any live performances coming up? I think we were finalizing everything right now, but I'm pretty sure our next show is May 16th at the Satellite, um, okay. which is one of my favorite L.A. venues. Okay, um, all right. Yep. All right, well, maybe I'll see you there. But right now, I want to say, Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Christina Questa Loeb. You can follow her at uh, www.questaloeb.com. You can also track her on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Reverb Nation. Um, be sure to check out her uh, YouTube channel, especially the, the video for the song Dive. And uh, follow her uh, if you're in Los Angeles. Uh, check out her concert in uh, the satellite in May. We're going to take a, a quick break right now before our uh, next guest, because we have to take a fast trip to Mexico. Don't go away. Just two hours south of the California border lies the enchanting seaside town of San Felipe, Baja, California, where friendly people, warm waters, and a relaxing vacation awaits. And it all starts at www.mysanfelipevacation.com. Whether you choose to golf on the 18-hole championship course overlooking the Sea of Cortez with friends, enjoy a romantic weekend for two on the beach, or take the whole family for a fun-filled weekend of shopping and activities, you'll be sure to find just the right accommodations at MySanFelipeVacation.com. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you got away? Visit www.MySanFelipeVacation.com today. That's www.mysanfelipevacation.com. See you in San Felipe. And you will see me in San Felipe. Uh, and when I grow up, I hope to have a, a radio voice like that. MySanFelipeVacation.com. Uh, use the discount code MFLA5, and you will get a discount on anything you book on MySanFelipeVacation.com. Kusi Koyer is the name of an Inca princess. It's also the persona of one of the most intriguing and inspiring artists to come to the show in its five-year history. Shannon Roberts, she's an experimental pianist, singer, a mental health advocate, and she is also Kusi Koyer. She is a woman who has experienced what to me seems like a lifetime of often painful self-learning about her mind, her body, and other people. She's embarked on a mission of imparting those lessons through music and poetry and action with a huge vocal range, superb piano chops, and powerful insights Kusi Koyer creates music that is like no other. Her EP, Bi <clears throat> Bipolar Lovers in Love, takes on powerful issues. Her latest single and music video, Am I Vulnerable, is a dance interpretation of domestic abuse. Her blog, The Strange is Beautiful, and her zine and yoga instruction are all about healing, as are her live Instagram talks about her arthritis, IBS, and mind obstacles, and the struggles of other artists. I'm so proud to have her on the show today. Shannon Roberts, I'm honored to welcome you to Music Friday Live. 
Hello, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> well, Shannon, this is a music show, so we're going to focus mostly on your music, but we should explain to our audience who the Aztec princess you're named after is and why you chose her for your stage persona. So she's actually an Inca princess, and um, I chose Sorry. her because it was a st- <laughs> it's okay. Um, it was a story that my mom would tell me as a little kid before going to sleep. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now your childhood had some darkness in it that eventually forced you to move out of your parents' home, but you studied classical music as a child at home, which requires a lot of technical precision and a lot of concentration and practice. It reminds me of something you've written. Every day is a practice to maintain peace. Does does music bring peace? Is it always part of your practice? Actually, the title of the EP, Bipolar Lovers in Love, was uh, partly about my relationship with music. So at the time that I was writing the EP, people would ask me, you know, kind of like that casual elevator speech of, oh, you know, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. I was like, oh, I am a yoga instructor. I do PR and I'm a musician. Like, oh, okay, what kind of music do you listen to? I was like, oh, I don't listen to music. I hate music. And so I (laughs) I had this really... (laughs) terrible relationship with music at the time um and that was like part of the reason why i I called it um bipolar lovers in love um because of my like awful relationship with music at that time so i i think for a while um growing up i had this really solid relationship with music and it was my self-care routine to go to it and i would write music when i didn't feel good and it was um always a great uh like place to relieve all those emotions but it later became the opposite I could not touch the piano without having a panic attack I would refuse to listen to any music at all because it was just very um, overwhelming for me and then um, I slowly got over it when I was like realizing kind of what was going on in relation to music and moved out and have been a lot better with it since you know I think you're the first guest I've ever had on this show who said I hate music. <laughs> I know. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, it's not like that anymore, but that's how it was at the time. It was really right. odd. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, you have said uh, that you want your music to bring comfort to others, and comfort, of course, being another word for peace in some ways. When you compose, do you think of those listeners? Do you feel how it will affect them? I think it depends. I, I think, um, mm, yeah, I don't know. I think, I guess it really de- depends in a way. I, I, I always make music for myself. I make art always for myself. And I think when I'm thinking about the listeners, it's in the sense of, um, does this texture and does this layer and do these melodies, do these go together in a way that the audience will feel the story that I'm trying to express that I have, that I've been working so hard to tell and stuff. So I think in that way, I'll be thinking of the audience of, Oh, I hope this makes them feel this way. And I hope the song concludes with this feeling and stuff. But um, overall it's always written for myself. Makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, I feel the, the peace and comfort in your music. And as part of preparing to talk to you today, I listened to it for about half a day, actually. Uh, 
uh, almost, uh, almost as good as yoga. So uh, here is an example of that. Uh, it's waking from a lazy dream. jazz riff um and, and that whole piece has has many many layers beyond your piano how did you assemble it did, did you kind of write did it write itself or did you have to sit down and experiment a lot to get it right i don't think i really experimented that much with that song i think it just kind of happened pretty fast how it happened does a lot of your music just happen pretty fast like that I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of my music happens pretty fast like that. Um, Later when I'm mixing it and recording it, I think that the tiny details will take me a long time. It'll become very specific. But with the actual skeleton of the song, it comes out very naturally. Do you you carry a phone or a notebook around with you and, and sort of make notes as ideas come to you? Um, I usually, uh, sometimes I'll write lyrics in my notes app in my phone, and then other times I'll have journals that I'm writing. I tend to like to write on paper. I don't really like to write it on my phone. I always forget if it's in my phone. <laughs> um, you and, and me both. Back on yeah, and um, I guess with music, I'll I'll usually do part voice memos of kind of like the whole structure of the song and then I'll write out on you know like notation paper um, specific sections or specific melodies and stuff okay um, I have the same problem sometimes too I've got voicemails or, or voice notes in my phone that you know I, I've forgotten why I even put them in there from months ago um, let's talk a little bit about your activism um, which I suppose Pose involved talking about the reasons why you're active. Uh, you write a blog called Strange is Beautiful. Uh, the Strange is Beautiful. What yeah. is the strange and why do people need to understand it's beautiful? So actually the name stemmed from, I think I was in fourth grade and my friend had just moved here from Mexico. And um, at the time we were kind of bullied a lot at school. So people would call us weird and strange and, you know, whatever else they wanted to call us that day. And um, she would always say, what? Weird, strange, strange, beautiful. And that was kind of always her response. And it was, it was funny that she would say that to me because 
I was like always so nervous when people were bullying us and she barely spoke English and she would say that back to them. I was like, okay, okay, this girl who barely speaks English is saying that. So I need to find comfort in this and, and really own this right now. <laughs> so great. Um, yeah, so the block started, I guess, with that concept in mind of people, you know, who have mind obstacles or with any disability or um, not that a mind obstacle is always a disability, but in general with anything that somebody is struggling with, they're often the people that are bullied are called names at. So it's just something to kind of take in and understand that that's not true um, and that a lot of people who are calling you those names um, – they don't understand what's going on. And a lot of times they're like afraid almost. It's weird to think about. Um, so I decided to take, you know, the strange is beautiful from what she said, um, just to remind as a reminder to everybody, like, no, you're not a crazy person. Like, yes, you are a beautiful grounded human being. Well, Part of your activism, and, and maybe the major thrust of it, is healing. Um, you heal through music. You heal through poetry. You have a guidebook, a healing guidebook out, uh, which we'll talk about yeah. later. And you also heal through events. And, and, and uh, one of your healing events, and I love this, this idea, was a self-love date night back in February. <laughs> what yeah, was that was it? so fun. Yeah, tell us about that. Um. I had I've had that this concept in my head for a while I think maybe for a year or something and I just was too shy to do it and then I finally just was like you know Valentine's is coming up I need to do this idea finally (laughs) Um, but so self-love date night was we had I think three bands perform that night and we had a self-love photo booth so um, there was like a backdrop of these shiny red hearts you could take photos um, with and there were props next to it with different costumes and you know wigs and stuff like that and then there was another table this like huge table where you could make um, cards to yourself so it was like basically a valentine's day card but there was a template where you could write a love letter to yourself so it had different you know, gave you like fill in the blank things that made it really easy for people. That must have been fun. Let me remind our audience that uh, we are talking with Shannon Roberts of uh, Kusi uh, Coyer. You can talk with her too. You can call in three four seven two one five seventy five eleven. I don't think I have to give out the email address because I already got some, but I will anyway. Music Friday Live at Gmail dot com. Let's, let's let's go to some of these emails we've got here. This is from Ima in San Francisco and she said, I love it that you picked the name Kusi. Where did the idea come from? Um, Kusi Coyer, well, that was, um, as I said earlier, it was actually a story that my mom would tell me before I went to bed. Um, and it's the story of an Inca princess and I'm Peruvian. So I, I was trying to figure out what my solo name should be and do I go by my real name or what do I want to do? And I was really nervous about, um, you know, doing a solo project in general and putting myself out there. And so with Kusi Coyer being an Inca princess and being of royalty, I wanted to, you know, gather her name and be able to resonate with her royalty so that I can find my own as well and claim my own throne sort of thing. 
Well, I think you have actually. And uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see, Robert in La- Roberto, pardon me, in Los Angeles. Um, do you have any live concerts coming up? And uh, did you play at the World Bipolar Day? I did not play at World Bipolar Day, and I don't have any live shows coming up anytime soon, but I will post when I do. Okay, Rob, Roberto, that means you're just absolutely positively going to have to follow her on social media, and she is about <laughs> to tell you how to do that. Yes. Um, well, you can actually visit my site, um, and that has all the socials for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, other, other sites. So that's probably the best place to go. Okay, all right. Let's get back to music a little bit here. Um, it, you have a song and, and a video called Am I Vulnerable? And um, it tells a story of abuse, which could be your story as well as a lesson for all of us of why just leaving is not always easy or possible. I want to play it and then talk a little bit about the video that goes with it because it's a very fascinating video. Here is Am I Vulnerable? Am I Vulnerable? song uh, in the video for that song you work with a shadow a concept mm-hmm. which i understand was created by the, the the dancer alex floyd why did you work with the shadow rather than with a another actor um alex and i were talking about the concept for a while and i told her that um having run the strangest beautiful for so long and having had you know, dealt with mind obstacles with myself, my family, and my friends for so long, I understood that a lot of things could trigger people. And even though, you know, no matter how hard you try, you know, anything could trigger somebody that you don't know because everyone has different triggers and sometimes it can be um, a random thing. But I, even with that, I was trying really hard to make it as um, comfortable, I guess, as possible. Um, so I didn't want it to be 
an actual person touching me because I thought that would be too triggering. Um, and so uh, she thought of the shadow concept, the best idea to right. express um, those emotions and those uh, actions without it, a person. And it worked beautifully. Absolutely worked beautifully. Thank you. Um, in, in your blog, uh, which I recommend to everybody, especially if you have challenger or people you love have uh, uh have challenges. You explain the difference between attachment and love, which kind of surfaced in the, in the video. Why is, what is the difference between attachment and love and, and why is it so important to understand it? Attachment um, can be something negative. Typically it's when you, it's almost like, um, almost like an addiction, like, you know, somebody who, uh, has chocolate every single day, and then when they don't have chocolate, they become very stressed out and very angry because they don't have the piece of chocolate that day. So um, something as little as that um, could can revolve around a relationship. When you're very attached to somebody, um, it becomes less about actually loving the person and more about just having that person around at all times um, and can lead to a lot of negative things. Okay. Um, I want to play your song inadequate and then talk a little bit about um, the feeling of inadequacy. And I don't know how that works in with uh, attachment, but uh, maybe we can discuss that, but let's play a little bit of inadequate here. Playing music makes me feel inadequate. I should quit when trained musicians listen to me. I feel amateur. Not enough technique. I'm not unique. Playing music makes me feel inadequate. I should quit when I ask my friends to listen to me play. I feel needy. Sometimes their reaction seems so forced and so fake. No one cares excel, nothing so hard. Do I pretend music is my thing? I suck at it. I'll just work. Okay, uh, I think that we just had a mislabeled video uh, audio, and I'm going to go beat my my engineer about the head and shoulders with a wet noodle. <laughs> that was not uh, the the uh, the music I thought it was. We'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, in the um, um, your healing process, one of the things you do is called Sad Core Sundays. That, would you want to tell us what a sad core Sunday is and, and how you dreamed that up? <laughs> um, sad core Sundays is a section on the strange is beautiful um, where um, on certain Sundays we'll feature a sad song or we'll interview a musician who either, um, you know, writes songs that are sad or expresses their sadness through their music. Um, so the concept behind it was that, um, when I had really bad depression, I would be, you know, not wanting to do anything. I would want to cry all the time and it would just be really hard to do stuff. So I decided that I wanted to still be able to do productive things. So I kind of set aside time for me to be sad. And so usually for whatever reason, Sundays 
tended to be that day where I would get the most sad because it was, you know, the day before Monday, the day before the week starts. And um, it was kind of overwhelming of like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen in the next, like, upcoming week? So I decided to make Sad Course Sundays this thing where people could um, let let themselves feel sadness, listen to this and relating to these artists. And then be able to, you know, after that time that they've set aside to let themselves feel and let them, like, their emotions release, that they can go ahead and do whatever self-care they need to, take a walk, like, take a shower, and, you know, be able to be productive again, um, if not for the whole day, at least for a little bit. Wow, and what a great concept. Okay. Uh, there's a post in your blog, uh, I think it's by Georgia St. Jones, um, about a new approach to the new year, uh, not leaving um, a part of yourself behind in the old year because, and this is the quote, I feel as though who I am has gotten me here, so I can't be all bad. Right? I love it. Um, in addition to being insightfully funny, it's also very good poetry, too. Um I take it that poetry is a very uh, important part of healing and teaching for you. Is that that true? Um, Not just poetry. I think art in general, everyone has a different way of expressing themselves. And I think sometimes uh, when you get people who have dealt with trauma or just people who are dealing with mind obstacles in general, they'll have a hard time uh, uh, verbalizing what's going on because half the time they don't know what's going on. So if somebody Uh, asks them, you know, what's going on? Like they can't, really say but a lot of times if you teach them poetry or teach them music it's something that is being taken out of schools right now like um they will be able to express it um almost unconsciously it just comes out in this form of art they'll feel better without really knowing why and later when they look back at it they realize that they were expressing those things that they didn't know how to verbalize Okay, well, we are almost out of time, but there's one more song uh, that is just too much fun not to play, all right? And I don't think it has any deep meaning, but here it is. This is One, Two, Buckle My Bra. One, two, buckle my bra, three, four, break the law. Five, six, light up cancer sticks, seven, eight, everything's fixed. One, two, buckle my bra, three, four, break the law. Five, six, light up cancer sticks, seven, eight, everything's fixed. One, two, buckle my bra, three, four, break the law. Five, six, light up cancer sticks, seven, eight, everything's fixed. One, two, buckle my bra, three, four. I don't know if there's any deep meaning there, but it's got some great laughter in it. It just makes me feel good. <laughs> Shannon, th- thank you so much for being with us today. I really had a good time, uh, and I had a good time reading and listening to you all day yesterday and during the week. Um, it's just been a delight having you on. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you so much for doing so much research and having some great questions to ask me. It's been a great conversation with you. Oh, by the way, uh, before we leave, we do have one, a couple of other emails, and one I did want to, to get in. This is from Manchester in New York City, and he wants to know, do you support any particular organizations? I don't, actually. I don't have any particular organizations that I support because um, never really found one that I've found to be spectacular. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and of course, yeah. you are a, a, an organization, right? Um, yeah, I no. am an organization myself. <laughs> but, 
Well, before before we we do say goodbye, why don't you tell people where they can find you once again? I know you mentioned it earlier, but all the various places in, in which they can connect with quote your organization. Sure. So um, for mind obstacle self care stuff like that for depression and whatnot, um, you can go to thestrangestbeautiful dot com. We're also on Instagram, the same thing at thestrangestbeautiful. Um, Twitter and Facebook as well. And then for music stuff, it's KusiKoyerMusic.com, um, also on Instagram, Facebook, and all the music listening platforms. Okay, and Kusi Koyer is spelt just so we get it right. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, Kusi is C U S I, and then Koyer is C O Y L L U R. Okay, so all right. Kusi Koyer Music, yeah. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Shannon Roberts, look for her online under Kusi Koyer. You got the spelling there and all the other places where you can find her. You're going to enjoy and learn from every minute you spend with her. Well, you've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyberstation USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and all of our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter feeds, and we'll give you real-time updates on our guests. Music Friday Live is produced by Music Friday Live and Fairness Radio, LLC. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano, who has her own radio show. You go, Angeline. Download this and other Music Friday Live programs at blogtalkradio.com or on iTunes. Check out the Music Friday YouTube page for the videos of live music in L.A. clubs. Subscribe to Shutter16.com, and you can read my weekly column, La La Land, on the latest stories behind the scenes in L.A. music. Tune in next week. We're going to talk to the fabulous hot guitarist, Ali Venerable, and also the pop artist and dance wonder, Kendra Black. Check out our Twitter stream and our Facebook page for updates and details. And meanwhile, have a great musical weekend, and we're going to leave you a little bit of Woke Up 